Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of the goal by Aliyahu M. Goldrat, The Process of Ongoing Improvement. So, the big Goldrat, he was a business consultant known for his theory of constraints. And this book, it's all about the the principles of manufacturing and how the ideas of a manufacturing plant can really be used as a metaphor to other businesses and really life in general. Yeah, so he was a bit of a juggernaut in the academic space about taking uh, ideas and principles from physics and sort of applying it to a business context. Now, it was super ideas, but a lot of the time it's like, how do you translate them to your day-to-day life and how to translate them to your own business, whatever that might be. So the book has a metaphor which can be applied to all sorts of organizations, not just manufacturing. The star of the book is a character called Alex Rojo. So he's an industrial engineer and he's a manager of a big manufacturing plant and they're not getting results. The shipments are late, they're losing customers, they've had to lay off half their staff which is 600 employees and they might have to lay off another 600 in no time. They've only been given six months to turn things around before head office says, hey, uh, time to close up shop, you're not making money for us and we're going to have to fire everybody. We've got to say this is a made-up story. This is a, um, not, a, not a real-life example, but you could definitely see how this applies in the real world. This is a company where they've got the best technology. They've got these brand-new robots, some of the best machines money can buy. They've got all these efficiencies. They've invested in these big capital expenses to help them make money, but for whatever reason, they're going bust. They're all the, you know, as you said, half their staff are laid off and head office says, come on, guys, get yourself into gear or you're getting shut down. So what the hell is it? What's the issue? because there's no means obvious with all the, the upside they've, they've got. One thing we learned through the story is one assumption that Roger had and a lot of people is that technology and robots equals productivity. So our assumptions about productivity are sometimes wrong. He was able to whip out spreadsheets that showed that by introducing this new state-of-the-art robot, they achieved a 36% improvement in efficiencies but all these numbers didn't really seem to be adding up to actual positive sort of real-world benefits. So whilst on the spreadsheets, it looks like efficiencies had gone up. For some reason, other areas had gone backwards. Yeah, if you're just improving one single area in isolation with robots and technology, but it doesn't really mean much if it's not moving along the whole uh, productivity, the whole plant, because in some cases, inventory might go up and it takes longer to do deliveries, which we'll get into in a bit. Another assumption was that having people working all the time and having the robots working all the time, being, being productive, making things is the assumption that that's actually a good thing. But sometimes you've got to question assumptions. Just because people are working hard doesn't actually mean they're being productive. Yeah, I think a lot of us see, say if you're in the metaphorical factory here, you walk past uh, cousin Joe who you just gave the job three weeks ago and he's just sitting there eating a meat pie next to his his all of his work and he's not doing anything you probably look at that and say all right we need to get him moving what are you doing mate get moving this is how most managers would would be rolling so the point is sometimes we have all sorts of measurements about what success looks like and these are the things that are supposed to tell us that we're productive yeah but true productivity is the act of bringing a company closer to its goal there should be a goal and you should be moving towards it actions that get you closer to your goal that's productive Actions that aren't getting you closer to your goal, even though they might seem like a lot of stuff's happening, it's not really that productive. So what the hell is the goal? Like, what are you, what are you trying to do in business? I don't think anybody has ever really asked something so basic and so high level. 
I mean, is anyone asked like, like, what are we actually doing? What are we trying to do here? What are you doing in your bank? What are you doing in your work? What's your boss doing? Everyone's just moving around, pressing buttons and doing stuff. But what's the whole point of it all? Well, you could say that the goal of this manufacturing organization, this hypothetical store, you could say that the goal was to you know, buy raw materials and turn those into products. So maybe one goal is, is to buy raw materials. You could argue that. You, you could argue another, probably perhaps more cliche. It's all about the people you employ, right? They're our most important asset. You're letting people go home and put food on the table. Surely, could supplying jobs be the whole point say, that the manufacturing plan exists? Yeah, one goal could be making jobs. One goal you could say is, is about making something of really high quality. It's a bit of a buzzword. You know, you want to ma- manufacture this revolutionary, innovative product, something really, really high quality. You could say that that's your goal. Producing high quality goods to just to go out there and make people happy. I mean, that's a pretty good thing, right? You're improving people's life for whatever you're making. So perhaps giving them a high quality product at a lower cost possible. It sounds like a reasonable enough goal. Well, what about technology? You could say that a goal could be research and development. A goal could be innovation. A goal could be bringing new things to the world that people have never seen before. That's a reasonable goal that you could aim for. Well, you could absolutely argue that. But um, I think whatever we're coming up with here now, if you just took, got in the helicopter and went a 50,000 foot view, uh, almost a meta goal that covers all of them, something else can pop into mind. It's a lot less sexy. And I think if Simon <laughs> Sinek was listening to this, he wouldn't like what we're about to say. <laughs> but without this one particular goal, none of these other things would be possible. Yeah, all those things sound nice. But I think we're dancing around the real goal. The real goal of a company is making money. Without making money, you can't do all those other things that we said. If you're not making money, you can't be buying raw materials. You can't be giving people jobs. You can't be doing research and development and innovation. You can't be bringing quality products to, to the world. So ultimately, we should be thinking not about these sort of peripheral goals, but thinking of the core goal, which is making money. Okay, so apologies to Simon Sinek and all the fans out there. We've got a much more pragmatic goal here because bloody true. Without it, nothing else happens. So let's just say that is the goal. And with a definition of where we want to go with our North Star, uh, we got an understanding of what is actually going to make productivity and what are productive actions and what is not. Yeah, remembering that things that move us towards our goal is productive, things that don't is unproductive. So things that are moving us towards making money, that's good activity. Things that aren't making us money, then that's bad activity. And if you were to ask an accountant, okay, what things should we be aiming for? Well, they're going to say, well, net profit, ROI, cash flow, they're all the things that are related to making money. And I guess on the on the spreadsheets and on the uh, profit and loss statements, they're the things that people are going to be looking at whether you're making money or not, but they kind of get stuck in the spreadsheets. How the hell can you translate that to actual on the factory floor? Yeah, the factory floor, whatever business you might be in. If you're a foreman at a job site and you're trying to communicate to your employees or you're trying to figure out what are your most productive actions for the day, they're pretty three pointless sort of um, measurements or terms. So the three there, return on investment, cash flow, and net profit might be good for your accountant to mm-hmm. figuring out what the what how much cash you're putting into the company, but for the troops on the ground, doesn't mean a hell of a lot. Yeah, three things that you may or may not have heard of before. You may or may not know the definitions, but these are the things that we can actually think about in the real world, not in the world of the spreadsheets. The three things that we should be thinking about are throughput, inventory, and operational expenses. So, if we look at the definitions specifically. Love examples later. So, firstly, you've got uh, throughput, and this is seen as the rate at which the system generates money through sales. 
Yeah, so that throughput is saying, okay, we're getting from wherever we start to whatever our endpoint is, whether you're making an iPhone, whether you're building a house, whether you're selling candles, uh, whether you're writing a book, whatever it is, the throughput is the point from getting from the start to getting through the point where you get money in your pocket. That's it. Sell the iPhone, sell whatever goods, sell whatever service, you get some sort of income that's generated. Then you've got inventory. So inventory is all the money that the system or the company has invested in purchasing the things that you intend to sell. So that inventory, that might be buying the planks of wood to build the house. It might be buying the, the wax to make your essential oil candles. Uh, it might be all those things that you've, you've invested to get things ready that you can then turn into something that you can sell. Yeah, it could be your backlog of clients that you might have. You might have had a phenomenal advertising campaign and you've got 100 customers, but you've only got three weeks to fill in the work, but you know, so your backlog of customers could be inventory. Definitely, and then you've got your operational expense. So the operational expense, that's the the costs, whether that's money or whether that's time for turning that inventory into throughput. Okay, so you got your inventory, you got your stuff sitting there. You need to turn it into throughput to actually get that money back into your pocket. Then that operational expense is all the time and money it took to convert from one to the other. So let's say you've got the backlog of customers, which might be inventory. One operational expense might be to put another whole crew, a team on the ground to get the work done. So you're paying more money for a new, you know, extra staff. But at the same time, they're turning that inventory into sales because you've got extra people on the ground. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. Everything you can manage in terms of the goal can be covered by these three measurements. So our hypothetical Alex Rogo in his hypothetical factory is now going on a hypothetical hike with his son's Boy Scouts troop. He had these ideas and these theories about how the inventory and throughput and operational expense could work in his, in his manufacturing plant, but it didn't really stick until he went out on this hike. So the hike was about 10 miles away to get to the other side to be safe and sound. They thought, all right, we're going to walk at about two miles per hour. We could reach the other side within five hours, allow a little bit for breaks. Uh, we'll be able to get there. So they started trekking along. as a nice, beautiful, sunny day in single file and just let them all go at their own pace. But all of a sudden, a few issues started to arise. Alex was leading the troops Within only a couple of minutes, he turned around and there was a bit of a gap from him to the next bloke back and then a bit of a gap behind him and then an even bigger gap and then he looked, he could barely even see the person way at the back and he saw that even after the first couple of minutes, the little, uh, little chubby kid named Herbie, he could barely even see him all the way in the distance at the back of the line. So he, probably, he quickly caught on to a potential solution for, for this. Um, he thought, all right, if we put Herbie at the very front of the line, there's going to be very little gaps that actually arise because the slowest kid is at the very front. Makes a lot of sense. But when they got moving, uh, Herbie all of a sudden started to hold everybody up. They all started yelling, you know, hurry up, Herbie, keep going, keep going. What the hell's going on? But then they thought, okay, well, we're going to take matters into our own hands here. They thought, well, we're just going to overtake people if they're going too slow, and then we can all go at our maximum efficiency. We can all go as fast as we possibly can. All of a sudden, Alex Rogo, who was at the back, he couldn't barely even see Ron, who had taken away all the way up the front, and then all of a sudden, Herbie, who was meant to be at the front, he caught up to him, and Herbie's puffing and panting, and then he thought, well, what the hell is going on here? I thought Herbie was meant to be at the front, but how has he all managed to make, make himself all the way back to the back? Ron's speeding up, and Herbie's just sitting there. Why don't we just take a break and have a little bit of a snack? Now, Alex here is thinking, all right, this is, this is going into chaos. We're two miles in. 
We're not going to make it by nightfall at this pace. We're in a bit of trouble here. The line's spreading out. The gaps between the boys are widening, and I need to find a solution to get us to the other side. So in this case here, if we try to link our hike back to the three measurements, the throughput, the thing that we need to do is we need to get the last person at the back of the line to camp at the end of the night. So the throughput there is getting everybody through and the back person needs to get nice and safe and sound, got their tent set up, got their campfire cooking and uh, chomping down a bit of damper or a bit of whatever they've cooked up that night. Yeah, if you can't just cut Herbie loose and just let him just start dragging <laughs> just along by himself, can you? <laughs> stay in the woods for the night. Then you've also got inventory. So the inventory is a bit like the total length of the line between the first person going through and the last person going through. Ron is the one at the start. Uh, a bit like the first person consuming raw materials and completing a task. And as that person is consuming raw materials, they're going to set the pace of the trail and the inventory that gets set up. But it doesn't mean anything until the last person within the list of tasks, which in our case is Herbie, walks through because that's limiting throughput. So the distance between Ron and Herbie is in the inventory. Then, of course, you've got your operational expenses, which is the energy and the time that the kids are putting in to walk along this trail. Yeah, you could tell uh, tell Herbie to run and sprint and use more energy. You might crack the whip on the <laughs> slowest person in the business or something like that. That is literally something that you might do. So whatever costs you expend, the, the kids, the energy they're expending in doing the walk, that is our operational expenses. So Herbie's dictating our throughput. It's going to, whenever Herbie crosses the line and gets to the finish point, really everybody else should be getting to the line and, and the finish point as well. So we need to have Herbie up the front of the line. It didn't work before. How can this time we make it work? Yeah, the first time they put Herbie at the front, everybody was who was behind Herbie was thinking, Herbie's holding me up. I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm just going to skip Herbie because I don't feel like I'm walking as fast as I possibly could. So naturally, what everyone wanted to do was rearrange themselves to walk without restriction. So naturally, with this attitude, Herbie, who was originally leading, he ended up at the very back. And Ron, who wanted to not be stuck behind some fat kid, he got to the very front. And this is a lot of the time what happened in the factory because everybody wanted to do their work without any restriction. But in, so, in doing so, being 100% productive the whole entire time, Rather than feeling productive and, and creating throughput and expenses, instead what they're creating is additional inventory by being working without this restriction. So when they had the second crack at it and Herbie was at the front and they're all yelling, Herbie, hurry the hell up, we're going so slow back here, can't you speed up? Alex said, well, listen, guys, if you want to go faster, let's work out a way to make Herbie go faster. And he said, Herbie, what the hell, what do you got in your backpack there, mate? turns out that Herbie had packed heavy for the day. He'd brought a six-pack of soda. He brought a box of candy bars. He brought a, a jar of pickles, two cans of tuna, and all of his tent and his tent pegs that he was carrying as well. He had this large iron skillet ready to cook some stuff up. Herbie was carrying a hell of a lot of stuff. So the whole key for them to getting to the other side of this five-hour trip was finding a way for the person at the back of the line who's really limiting the throughput of the whole group and that was Herbie. So what they did is they all took a piece off Herbie, helped him out. So by Ron, just not focusing on Ron, by Ron and co helping Herbie, they were able to double their speed than they had before. And of course, inventory went down and the throughput went up. By taking some of his load, by increasing the speed of their slowest member, they were able to increase the speed of the troop overall. It meant that some of the people who were naturally faster, who were achieving a bit more, they were taking a bit more of the load. Uh, and the people who were a bit slower, they were taking less of the load. 
It meant that before where you were increasing inventory by the person at the front just charging ahead and you got all this inventory but the throughput is lagging all the way at the back, they realized that, well, actually, let's like reduce some of this inventory and increase our throughput. So the point of businesses to be in existence is to make money because without it, everything else is impossible. You can't have a quality product to change people's lives. You can't improve value of the world. You can't give jobs to people. You can't really do anything if you don't have any money. And the three measurements that we can take on to understand if we're uh, productive towards this goal is throughput, inventory, and operational expenses. So I think that in the hypothetical manufacturing plants, it makes sense. And I think in the hypothetical scout walk, it kind of makes sense as well. Uh, we want to try and apply this concept to a few different uh, areas for us as well now. So one thing that we can try and apply this to is the What You Will Own podcast. Yeah, so for us, if we uh, we probably treat this as like a hybrid of a business slash hobby because it's kind of vague, we're probably not, not maximizing our potential as a business. But if we wanted to go down purely the business route and making money, uh, we could use these three different metrics to uh, change the way we're currently doing things. So if you think of what's the inventory of this podcast, the obvious one is the podcast episodes that we've got, but in terms of creating new episodes as well, it's the books we've read, it's the books on our shelves that we haven't read, it's the notes that we've created. uh, And so all of this makes up the inventory of the podcast. The operational expense, of course, is actually reading the books, doing the notes, doing the episodes, doing the editing and any of the costs involved in actually running the business. And then if we think of throughput, throughput is getting downloads. Without getting downloads, nothing else really happens for the podcast. So downloads, without we get the advertising dollars and everything like that. So using the story and the analogies from before, the whole focus of businesses really should be about who is the Herbie, what is the Herbie within the business and the bottleneck that's stopping the throughput from occurring. One big bottleneck, the thing that's going to slow down uh, the throughput is a number of downloads. So one thing that we could do is go out there and try to be more active in getting more downloads. Maybe it means slowing down on reading books and putting more energy towards improving downloads. Yeah, so that could be uh, putting in additional episodes. You might do two episodes a week to turn those books that are just sitting there and are being read into more episodes and more downloads and more advertising dollars. And it's one of those things with bottlenecks. The bottleneck and what the Herbie is can actually shift. Like at the beginning, if you're starting a podcast before you got downloads, downloads could be the whole area of focus where you're just looking to promote things. But at a certain point, you might already have that. And the bottleneck is actually looking for advertisers to convert those downloads into dollars. So I think we made the shift when we went to ACAST where uh, that previous bottleneck of us landing advertisers for the show, which was a huge hassle for us, that kind of got rid of that bottleneck entirely. So then, you know, we don't really have to worry about that because it's automated and there's an advertising team out there who are landing and converting downloads into dollars. Another big bottleneck might be just the fact that uh, we both want to read different books and there's probably there's probably more books on our shelves that we could possibly read than we could actually read and then turn into notes and then edit each other's notes and turn into episodes. So we've got to work out, okay, how do we, how do we not just be the Ron and just power ahead and just read whatever books we want and read 30 random books that don't really make sense for the podcast. How do we think about Ron lightening the load of Herbie and think, well, what books can we actually do that make sense so we can actually turn that unused inventory into then throughput? 
Yeah, so pretty much every area of the podcast and every action you can think about, all right, what is inventory, what's the throughput, and what's the operational expenses. So after reading this book, I think uh, we're previously probably, yeah, exactly that, Ron powering away, reading whatever we wanted, but through the lens of turning inventory into throughput, it really did change the way we might be reading and the way we might be recording. So you can then apply this thinking to whatever you're in, whether you're in, in your business, in your career, in your personal life, always thinking about, okay, if you've got your goal and you've got your uh, components that make up your goal, where's the Herbie? What's the thing that's slowing you down? What's the thing that is holding you up from getting towards your goal? 